Okay. How are we all doing? Are we encouraged? Yes. That didn't sound very encouraged. You should be encouraged, shouldn't you? Yeah, it's better. You should be encouraged. Like, in this world, we have God on our side. We have a saviour who's opened the way to heaven for us, who's given access to the throne of grace. We should be encouraged. We should be encouraged when uh, people get saved. We should be encouraged when we see uh, bodies healed. But we should, most of all, we should be encouraged by worshipping in the presence of God, shouldn't we? Yeah? It's a, just like it's so precious. It's so precious to be in the presence of God. And even though we're not singing, we're still worshipping the presence of God right now. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this summer faith school for, since the start of the summer. And uh, we've learned some really key things. And th this faith school is in a response to two things. Firstly, it's a response to a word that Esther brought. It's about upping our game. That we, we, we'd slipped. We'd slipped in our expectation of what God can do. We, we'd slipped away from some of the principles that we, we know about faith and trusting God. So we're, gonna, we, we, we're upping our game right now. We, we're getting ready to see more of what God has for us. We've seen stuff, but we want to see more, yeah? yeah. Amen. And uh, secondly, it was given because Cheryl said God wants us to do this. And I don't disagree with Cheryl. No, it's not worth it disagreeing with Cheryl. <laughs> So, so faith school is, is down to Cheryl. And we spent four weeks kind of laying a basic foundation about how what we're believing is we're not trying to believe promises. We're not trying to believe things that are written in the Word. Yes, we want to see what's written in the Word. Yes, we have to know what's written in the Word. But ultimately, we're not believing promises. We're believing a promiser. And the only way we can grow our faith is to know the promiser better. Because it's like, if I make you a promise, you make a judgment on whether I'm, I'm going to keep that promise and I'm able to keep that promise. And it's no different with God. We, 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 we need to grow in knowing him so we grow in faith and trust in him. Our trust is not in words. Our trust is in the one behind the words who spoke the words. Amen? So last week, we, we, we started uh, the, the second part of this summer school about how do you pray for a specific thing? How do you pray for a specific need? And if you remember, I said that prayer in the Bible is a simple thing. It's a in, in its essence, it's a conversation between you and the one that you know, Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't invite us into a, a religion. He doesn't invite us into an organization. He doesn't invite us into a set of routines. He invites us into a relationship. So we, we, we grow in that relationship, and, and prayer is integral to that, spending time having a conversation with him, taking the time to hear his voice. So the Bible talks about prayer in those terms, but it also talks about specific types of prayer. So if you want to be technical, and you can go, oh, we've got a good pastor, Mark, because he's technical. This is called the prayer of petition. So every time you see the word petitions in the Bible, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the prayer of petition. And, and last week, 
we, we looked at just one verse, didn't we? What, anybody remember the verse? Dennis will, he'll live out down. <laughs> it's a verse from James and it says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That, that's how I learned it in the King James. But it's the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. He wants to accomplish much. He wants to see answers to prayer. Because, in effect, there's no point in just keep praying and not getting the results and not seeing things because that tells us we're not doing it right. Or we're not doing it by, with the depth of relationship with our Saviour that we're looking for. So we want to avail much in the old language. Who, who's going to avail much at the end of this summer? Who's going to avail much this week? Well, you've all got a chance because next week, or next Sunday, we're going to put, set aside a time in the service for testimonies. Things that you've been praying for, things that have happened in your life, things that you've sought God for, and uh, healings and all the rest of it. So we're going to have a time of testimony next week. So that, that's exciting. But we want to avail much, yeah? Accomplish much because we're here as representatives of Jesus on this earth. And representatives of Jesus on this earth are supposed to carry his kingdom and see kingdom results. So that's what we're about. And we learned a couple of things last week, didn't we? It's not the quantity of prayer or the length of prayer that gets answers. It's the faith that's attached to the prayer. So we, that, that's the first thing. The second thing we were is to be effective, prayer needs to be grounded in the covenant I have with God. And that covenant's about receiving the benefits of Christ's sacrifice and redemption, not about earning a benefit from God. It's about receiving what Jesus has already paid for. And so the question that we, we looked at last week is, am I effective? And we ended up from that verse with understanding that the righteous man that he's talking about in that verse is actually you. You are not righteous on the basis of what you've achieved. You are righteous by faith on the basis of what Christ has done. And that, that sort of person lets Christ work in their hearts to transform their hearts and change them. So when we see that righteous man referred to in that verse in James, it's you. And, and let me explain to you why it has to be you. It has to be you because nobody is perfectly righteous on their own account. So if it meant righteousness on your own account, nobody would ever get a prayer answered. And yet we see right through the word and right through history, the history of the church, people getting prayers answered. So it's Jesus' righteousness we're after. And so we look to him, we make him the focus. Okay, so that's, that's caught you all up to speed if, you, if, if you've been away on holiday or um, this is your first week or second week or whatever, or you've just spent all week colouring your hair blue, which looks beautiful, Joyce, beautiful. Now, let me, take a, let me take a big leap, okay? It takes time to look that good. It does, Joyce. I haven't spent any time at all, and look what happened. <laughs> okay, here, here's how it goes. I don't get offended with what I'm going to say because I'm going to explain what I'm going to say. 
since you have right standing with God, that's righteousness, since you have right standing with God, you have the right to see some answers to your prayers. Since you have right standing with God, you have the right to see some answers to your prayers. And, and, and to some people, um, that might sound offensive. It might sound presumptuous. It might sound a bit arrogant. It might sound a bit off, off, off ball. How can I say that I've got the right to have my prayers answered? I can say that because Jesus is the one who gave me those rights and paid for those rights. The one who paid for them in our covenant that we have with God. This new covenant that we live in, the New Testament. Based on what Jesus has given us. The promises, his great and precious promises. So legally, and I'm talking not, not like British courts or police or whatever. Legally, in the spiritual realm, we have the right to insist on what Jesus has paid for, for us. So we've got the right to insist on that. Are you with me? You're looking less offended, so that's cool. So let's understand how we get those rights to work for us. And I'm going to take two, three weeks to, to do this. And what I'm going to share with you is principles that have helped me get answers to prayer when I'm praying for something specific. And uh, I'd like to say that you know, in my, my vast experience, I, I came up with these all by myself. No, I didn't. <laughs> these, these are things that other people have used and I, I've, see, I, I've seen and applied in my own life and, and had the benefit of. Most recently, I, I don't know who came up with them first. Most recently, I heard a guy called George Pearson speak on, on this for, for, in a series of talks. And, and these principles are kind of tried and tested. So I've tried and tested them, and they produce. They, they might not produce immediately. And, you know, one of the great things about uh, walking and trusting God is faith goes with a power twin. And its power twin is patience. And patience is my failing. I'm not good at patience. <laughs> so if there's, a, if there's a failing here, it's on the patient side, not on the other side. But... The, the, these things help us have a structure to pray effectively when we have a need or when we, somebody else has a need. Are you with me? So I'm going to go through this kind of slowly over two or three weeks. So here's the first principle. Write this down. What is it that I want? So remember you're paying for, specific, for a need. What is it that you want? When you pray, it's important to be specific about what you want. Now, let me say something else a bit controversial, but I believe it's scriptural. It's not effective to pray generally. It's really ineffective. So prayers like, dear Jesus, please bless my life, please bless my family, please make my life lovely. They're just not effective. They don't work. Uh, you know, please best mother, please best father, please best Auntie Emily, please best Auntie Edna, bless my friends and bless my dogs. And thank you. Matt, Matt always used to finish Grace off and thank you for baths and showers. So thank you for baths and showers. It, it, it's nice, isn't it? But it doesn't, doesn't really do much. Because God wants us to be specific in what we're praying for. 
And, and the main reason why it's important to be specific is it helps you target your faith. It's really difficult to have faith for something that's so general you can't even explain it. You know, I would like a nice life isn't really, some, I mean, it's something you can wish for, but it's not something you can, you can be specific and apply your faith to and, and take hold of, is it? So I'll give you some, because we're Word Church, I'll give you some Bible basis for this, okay? So story, story from um, the, the New Testament. It's from uh, Mark chapter 10. And it's a story most of you will be familiar with. It's about a guy who was blind. And he was called blind. How do you like your life to be applied? You are called blind Bartimaeus. That's it. That's all you're known for. Well, actually, all we should know him for is seeing Bartimaeus because he gets healed. So it's that story. And it says this. Now, they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho, that's Jesus, with his disciples and a great big crowd following him, Blind Bartimaeus, and just in case we're confused, he's the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. So what's, his, what's, what's, what's happening? He's begging for money or begging for alms and, and charity. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's your general prayer. What does that mean? What what, what, what's he asking? That word translating mercy is actually the word compassion. Be kind to me. Have pity on me. It's, it's a kind of general request. He's used to doing this because people are walking past him all the time. And, and he's asking for things. And have pity on me. Have pity on me. And Jesus is no different. He's just walking past. And he says that to him. Then many warned him to be quiet because he's a bit of inconvenience, isn't he? But he cried out all the more. A noisy inconvenience. Son of David, have mercy, have compassion, have pity on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought over. Then they called the blind man saying, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. So at this point, he's expecting something. And throwing aside his garment, he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, now listen to this. He's been crying out for mercy and compassion and pity. And Jesus goes, so what do you want? What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said to him, go your faith. Your faith has made you well. And he immediately received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So he's crying out for mercy. He's asking for pity. He's asking for compassion. He's asking generally for people to, to do something to help him and benefit him. And Jesus responds by saying, no, you need to get specific with me. What is it you really, really want? What, what, what is it? And he says that I may receive my sight. So the first step to getting our prayers answered is to be specific what is it you're going to ask God for? What is it? Because when you take the approach of praying for nothing in particular, nothing in particular is exactly what you'll get. Nothing in particular. 
And, and specific prayer helps us stay in faith as we do the bit that I struggle with, which is the waiting in patience. And, be, and it's powerful because it, it, it's narrowed down in helping us hear the voice of the Spirit. And specific prayer is helpful in another way because it helps us to see God's will. And it helps us to see God at work. Because when we get a specific answer to a specific prayer, we can see God at work. And that builds our faith. Yeah? So, uh, I think it was last week, as an example, um, I prayed for Lynn. Do you remember that if you were here last week? And, and Lynn had been suffering from uh, long COVID. And uh, she contacted Cheryl towards the end of this week and saying that like, she just felt so much better, so much more energy, so much more life. She felt just like, like her body's back in, in tune. And uh, for the first time in a long time, she's been able to do all the housework. So that's just fantastic, isn't it? And, and, and that encourages us. That's why we're going to do testimonies next week, because it encourages us, because we see specific answers to specific prayer. Otherwise, we're left with kind of a scenario, whenever nice things happen to us, let's attribute it to God. And whenever bad things happen to us, let's not attribute it to God. Let's attribute it somewhere else, ourselves, or the enemy, or that horrible person that I don't like, or, or whatever. But if we're specific, and God answers specifically, it's harder for us to mistake, so we grow in faith. And we grow in faith for the next thing, and the bigger thing, and the big, bigger thing. Yeah? Are you still with me? All right. Now, I'm going to take you to something that the Apostle John said. John was one of Jesus' followers. He was one of Jesus' followers right from the start. And John had this kind of special relationship with Jesus. And he, he kind of calls himself, in his own gospel, the one who Jesus loved. Jesus loved everybody, but John kind of got it. He knew that he was loved. And he, and he was close to Jesus. And Jesus, he's the only one that turns up at the cross. And Jesus entrusts looking after Mary's mother to John, which he, which he does faithfully. History tells us that he faithfully did that. And uh, John's the one that, that lives. Out of all, all the, the disciples, he's the one that isn't executed. They tried to execute him, but he just refused to die. And so they exiled him to this island called Patmos where he lived out his, his, his end years. So the Apostle John, he's writing this. So he's had all this experience of being with Jesus, being close to Jesus, the heart of Jesus. And he says this, If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So the key is knowing he hears us. And knowing he hears us, the more we see specific answers, the more we know he hears us. The more we see hear testimonies, the more we know he hears us. The more we, we, we dig into the word and study the word and meditate on the word, we know he hears us. Because we start to discover his heart. And, and God's heart is to bless us, to get good things to us, and to keep his promises. That's his heart. That's what he's trying to do. And to do that, he needs us to know that he's hearing. 
Because that, that's where we fall down. Because a lot of us will, will actually go, well, yeah, I believe God does amazing things. I believe God heals. I believe God does this. I believe God does that. But when it comes down, will he do it for me? We have a different mindset often. Because we're not sure he'll hear us. It's okay for Pastor Mark or some great Christian or whatever, but you're not sure he hears us. When we know he hears us, then we know we've got the answer. Why? Because he's already said in his covenant, that's what I'll do when you pray in faith. That word for asking that's in that, in that verse, we, whatsoever we ask, that word for asking uh, is a Greek word and it should help us kind of finally kill some of the stuff that we don't like about prayer. You know, the, stu the stuff that puts us off prayer. Things like bawling and squalling and shouting loudly and, and doing all the dancing and all the stuff and weeping and wailing and crying and all those sort of things, which we think we have to do to try and convince God he should answer us. And... This word ask doesn't encompass any of that at all. It's not like that. It's not that sort of word. That word ask means um, it assumes as a basis that we have free access to the presence of God. So we don't have to work, work our way in because Jesus opened up. You know, in times of need, we go boldly before the throne of grace. Hebrews tells us that. So it assumes we've got free access to the presence of God. And what it means, and this is, this is just so good, I, I love this bit. It means to be adamant and forceful in requesting. How many of you know God is actually saying to you, be adamant and forceful in requesting? It doesn't sound right, does it? Because we've trained ourselves to think differently. We, like, we, we, we kind of think, well, that can't, just doesn't feel right, does it? But that's what James... Uh, John is saying, it means to demand tangible assistance in meeting material needs. And it means to pray boldly and authoritatively. What he's saying is, when you know you're standing with God, and that you are in right standing with God, then you shouldn't be afraid to come boldly before the throne of grace. We're not demanding of God. We're exercising our rights and overruling the enemy. We don't have to demand of God because he already wants to do it. But we need to be bold. We need to be authoritative. We need to know our rights so that we can ask and we can ask specifically for what we need. And, and it, that's where this, this word petitions comes from. You know what a petition is? We had one sent to you lately on Facebook or on your phone or whatever. Will you sign this? When you, you sign a petition, it's been carefully formulated, hasn't it? The, 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 there's, there's, somebody's thought through all the wording. And it's formulated with the, the exact things that you're signing up for. You're signing for something specific because you want to draw it to the attention of those who can do something about it. 
So petitions sent to governments and authorities are specific things that we want to see changed or stopped or started, yeah? Do you know what, what I mean by petition? That, that's what this word petitions applied to prayer means. And so a good petition is drafted in such a way that it's comprehensive and leaves no room for misunderstanding. So when God's saying, uh, lift up your petitions to me, pray, you know, speak your petitions, what he's saying is, I, I don't want you to be woolly about this. I want you to be really clear. I want you to be really clear on what you're asking from me. So the first step to more effective prayer is to decide what you want from God and be specific in your request. Because then you can target your faith. Then you can focus in on that thing. Here's what I advise. Here's what I do. I write it out, just like a petition. I write down what it is I want from God. Is this kind of unfamiliar to you? Because it's really key. This, this really helps you. Otherwise, it's so easy just to go back into kind of learnt behaviours and, and, and just come out with stuff. You know, please bless Auntie Edna, bless the dog. Thank you for baths and showers, that sort of thing. So that, that's, num that's number one. Decide what it is you want, write it down specific. You probably guess I'm going to ask you to do something at the end of this talk. That's number one, principle number one. Principle number two. Find where God promises it to you. Because a lot of people actually want things that God uh, doesn't promise to them. And in some cases, they want things that God has, knows would be harmful to them. If it's not in your covenant with God, you can't have it. If it's contrary to the covenant with God, if it's contrary to his nature, he's not going to answer. And so we need to find out where it is in Scripture where God promises it to us. And, and that, that's, that's the, the crux of the problem that we have in the modern church. People do not know the word. We, we know sound bites. We know uh, little phrases. We know a few stories, but we don't know the word and we don't know how it fits together. And so we, we're going to have to up our game in this area. We've got to be people of the word. Because people of the word are the only people who can grow in faith. Because you've got to know God promises to, something to you. You know, if we, if we know he hears us, he hears us on the basis of his covenants with us. So we've got to know, am I, is this something that God has said is his will? You know, a lot of people go and, and, and they get all bothered about, like, is it his will? What should I do? What, what is his plan for my life? What's all, all this sort of stuff? And, and a lot of these things would be simplified if we realized that God's wrote most of his will down for us. And, and where he hasn't, he intends to reveal it through his spirit and through the word anyway. And, and basically, if you can find it promised by God, then you can have it. 
Because God wanted us to understand what he's willing to do, what his desire is for us, what, what is that expression of his love for us. So if, he's, if we see God saying, I'm willing to do this, we take him at his word and say, I'm going to have that. Because if you're willing to do it, that would be really helpful to me right now, God. So if you can find it, if you can see the promise, if you can see it promised, then you can have it. Why is that? Because uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us, in Christ Jesus, all God's promises are yes and amen. There is no no in that. So everything that God intends us to have, Jesus paid for at the cross. He took the consequence of uh, all the wrong stuff. He took the consequence and the penalties of all the, the things that would stop us. He took the consequences of all the curse and he released life and gave us life in the new covenant. So in Christ Jesus, all God's promises become yes and amen because all the penalties and all the stuff about us that will get in the way of it are taken out of the way by Jesus' sacrifice. So if you can find it, you can have it. So how many of you have heard this phrase, you should pray scripture? June has, obviously. None of you heard that phrase? Or you've just been quiet? Because if you've gone to sleep, I can talk louder. <laughs> so how many of you heard that? You should pray scripture. Like, June's brilliant at praying scripture. Phil's brilliant at worshipping with scripture. You know, it, it's such an important thing. It's such an important thing to learn. Many of us don't pray scripture because we don't know what scripture says. And even when we do, we don't understand how it works. And, and so we've we, we got to pray scripture because when you pray scripture, you can be confident that you're asking according to God's will. When you pray in accordance with scripture, you can be confident... You're asking according to God's will. Listen to this. Write this down. Faith begins where God's will is known. Faith begins where God's will is known. And when I, when I talk about praying according to God's will, I'll just clear this up. I'll tell you what I don't mean. I don't mean the sort of prayer that says, oh Lord, I'd love all these things if it be your will. And you go, well, isn't that a good prayer? No, it's not actually. Well, Jesus prayed it if it be your will. So it must be a good prayer. No. That's just quoting something completely out of context. When Jesus prayed that prayer, if it be your will, if it be your will, not my will, but thy will be done. Yeah, your will be done. He's actually said, I know your will. I just don't want to go through it. So if there's another way out of this, then I want to take that option. But if there isn't another way out of this, then I'm going to go with your will and not mine. This isn't a prayer principle. This is a discussion of a relationship that Jesus has with his father. So praying, if it be your will at the end of prayers or as part of prayers, isn't really going to be helpful. 
How, how difficult or easy do you think it would be to have faith in something that just said, if it's your will? Without knowing what God's will is. So faith begins where God's will is known. So for instance, if you're praying for a relationship to be healed, okay, that's your specific thing, a relationship to be healed. You don't pray, God, please help me and give me the wisdom to find a way to heal this relationship if it be your will. Why don't you pray that? Because you know it's not his will. So you know it's his will for us to have good relationships. He made right the core of the gospel, the most important thing is to love one another. So he's interested in our relationships and he wants them to be good and to be strong. So we don't have to pray if it's your will in order to get God to help us in case it might not be his will. It would be crazy, wouldn't it? What's the alternative? God wants us to have really bad relationships. No, we don't pray if it's your will because we know his will in that instance. And that, that helps us because we can now pray, Jesus, you told us that you were sending the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was going to be our counsellor. He was going to bring your wisdom and take of your wisdom and show it to us. He was going to give your wisdom and speak it to us. And he wasn't going to speak on his own account. He was going to speak on Jesus' account. So Holy Spirit, I ask for your wisdom to know what to do in this relationship. And we know the scriptural principles as well. So we know what his will is. And his will say, uh, um, Paul says, so far as it's down to you, live in peace with all men. So far as it's down to you. But it might not always be down to you because there's two parties involved. So you work your way through that and you can see what God's will is. And that allows you to pray powerfully because you're convinced and know what God wants in this situation. And you know his promises that he's given you the Holy Spirit and he's put the Holy Spirit, the, the love of the Holy Spirit shed abroad in your heart and that he is working and giving you counsel. So you know that you pray the prayer and then you listen for the counsel, you listen for the wisdom. You listen to know what to do and then you do it. That's, that's powerful. That's something you can put your faith into. So faith begins where God's will is known. Let me just go back to that, that verse from, from John. I'm going to show you in the Amplified. You know what the Amplified is? Amplified is the, the long version of the Bible. So basically, it, it's, it's, a, it's a literal translation, but it amplifies some of the meaning behind the words. That's why it's called the Amplified. So here's what it says. And this is the confidence. Who wants to be confident when they pray? I do. I do. Yeah. This is the confidence, the assurance, the absolute privilege of boldness when I pray. The privilege of boldness when I'm praying. This is, this is what we're after. This is what we're going after. That we are bold in our prayer and we see answers and results to our prayer. So this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness, which we have. Why? Because we're in him. Jesus has bought us that privilege and we now, in him, in that covenant, in him, we are sure. I want to be sure when I pray. 
Because the only way I can pray in faith is to be sure that I'm praying what he wants me to pray. So we are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, that is in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. Where do we find out where his will is? Where do we find out where his plan is? Where do we find out how he thinks? Where do we find out how he works? Where do we find out what he's promised? Where do we find out how he wants to bring about his kingdom? In here. And in here for 20 or 25 minutes or whatever on a Sunday isn't going to do it. We have to commit ourselves to this. Because this is the only way we get to know Jesus. This is the only way we get to know the Father. This, this is the foundation on which the Holy Spirit bases his speaking to us. So we, we've got to be word people. And, and we, we've got to spe- commit to knowing the word. And, and that means not just doing, listening to, uh, studying it ourselves. It means being around people who are in the word, who are believing the word and who is seeing some results. So that's what we do. That's what we commit to. So in agreement with some plan, he listens to and he hears us. You might wonder why it says listens to and hears us. Often I hear Cheryl, but I don't listen. <laughs> or is it the other way around? <laughs> it's a man thing. We listen and we intentionally hear. We listen and we intentionally hear. Because I can guarantee that if you've been around church for any length of time, you've heard hundreds of sermons. You listen to them all, but how many did you actually hear? And we need to be hearers. We need to be hearers of the word and contingents. We need to be doers of the word as well. That means that we, we base our decisions, we base our life, we base the way we approach situations, we break uh, the way we deal with circumstances, the way we deal with problems, we base it entirely on the Word and, and, and the voice of the Spirit. If, if we don't do that, then we're no different from an unbeliever. And... And so we need to move church from being people who get the wisdom of the world and think things out and come up with plans to people who are familiar with the voice of the Spirit and know the Word of God. And the two are very different. And, and, and part of the reason we, we, we are so uh, lacking in power in this church in this generation is we run on human wisdom in our church world. And, and we need to run on spirit and word wisdom in our church world. Live what it says. Be careful to hear. I've gone completely off track, but anyway, it's interesting. And if since we positively know that he listens to us, so he's listening. The problem isn't his listener. The problem is our hearer. So he's listening. Know that he listens to us in whatever we ask. We also know with settled and absolute knowledge, this gets you your answer, settled and absolute knowledge, that we have granted to us as our present possession, not something that's in the future, but it's already on its way when you pray in faith. You might not see it yet, but it's yours. 
So we, we, we grant it to us as our present possession the requests made of him. Can you see it? Hopefully the, the words in bold help you. But effective prayers are confident prayers. And our confidence is in him. Because he's hearing. He's listening. And so for faith to be effective... We have to know his will. Because he's going to answer. And he's going to answer no if, no but, no maybes. And, and a lot of our problems in, in trusting God and believing in Francis our prayers is we've got too many ifs, buts, and maybes. What if? The other problem we have is we, we'll put a prayer out and not understand that as soon as, we, if, if we prayed according to God's will, he's heard the answers on the way, we don't see it immediately. We don't see it in a week or two weeks or whatever. Here's my problem. And we dig it all up again. We go, oh, I didn't work. And then we start speaking out all the like, negative stuff. So we shared, I think I shared a little bit last week because some of you noticed we put our house up for sale. And so how do you... Uh, how would I go about praying in that situation? Because honestly, given the natural, there's, no, there's, no, there's nobody looking for houses at the moment. They're all going like, how am I going to pay the mortgage I've got? So that's the natural. So that's not what we want to speak out. It's not what we want to pray in accordance with. It's not what we want to accept. So how, how does it work? Because if I'm saying, okay, God, this is, this is what I want you to do. So I've written it down, okay? God, we would like to move. We'd like to sell our house and move to a new one, okay? How do, how do I go about that? Well, th there is actually lots of promises in the Bible about believers having houses, surprisingly. I found 21 so far. But here's one, and just remember that when God spoke promises to Israel, the New Testament tells us that we are grafted in, we have access to those promises, the blessings that come down the line from Abraham as part of our new covenant. So when I look at the things that are here, in Isaiah chapter 32, I find this. 32 verse 18. My people, well, that's me. I'm one of God's people. This is me. My people will dwell in peaceful habitations. That's why I want peace. In secure dwellings, that's dwellings that have security, which would have been helpful last Christmas. And in quiet resting places. That's a believer's right. That's, that's what we're aiming for. No, that wouldn't be peaceful, Joyce. That would be you and Cheryl talking in person all the time instead of on the phone all the time. So how do I then apply that? Well, here's the thing. I've got, according to that, I shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure place, a rest, place of rest. Right, so I already have that. Our house is that place. 
So how, how, do, how do I now do that? Well, here's the thing. I now go to the Holy Spirit, and I say, okay, Holy Spirit, how do you feel about the idea of us moving? And, and we believe we've got an answer from the Holy Spirit, which he said, I'm not bothered. You can if you want. So it's, it's, it's for us. And, and so we might move, we might not move. So how do, how do I be, target my faith? How do, I, how do I target my faith in that? I target my faith in that circumstance by going, God, I know you've promised me a peaceful place. I know you've promised me a secure place. I don't want a place that isn't any of those things. So that's a start. I cross all places off the, the, my list, anything other than that. So, God, if, if we sell and, a, and there's a house there, I want to know it's that house. I don't want to go into anything where there's unseen problems, where I've got crazy neighbours, where there's a rave outside the garden every Saturday night. I don't want to go anywhere like that. I don't want to go anywhere where, where people are going to come and smash up my property. I don't want to do any of that. Okay? So... I'm targeting my faith by hearing and walking out this in faith with you. And God, you've said you'll bless me. You said as, as I gave you, you'll uh, give it back and running over and all that. So I'm expecting to be able to identify you, what you're doing by the blessing that's attaching to this. Okay? I'm not bothered whether I move or not. I would really like not to have to do, do our garden and do all the leaves every year. And honestly, it's a bit big with two of us. But I do believe that we're not meant to settle for things either. We're not just meant to stagnate in life. Sometimes you need something that's, that's new. And so I'm targeting my faith by knowing it's okay with God that I have a house like that. Knowing he's okay with us moving, if we want to. Knowing that he'll show us where to move to or not to move to. So I'm trusting he'll sell it. And then we can take the decision about whether we want to move and whether that house is there. Okay? Does, does that, do you understand that? So I'm, I know what's promised. I know it's okay to move house. And that gives me confidence so when I'm listening to his voice, I know he's listening, I know he's heard, and he's going to give me the wisdom that I ask for. Because I'm not asking for, to move house, I'm asking for wisdom. So I'm targeting my faith on wisdom. None of which has anything to do with the economy, none of which has anything to do with interest rates, and none of which has anything to do with mortgages. Because they haven't got anything to do with the kingdom of God. Either we believe in a miraculous God or we don't. And if we don't, well, we've all got problems. But we believe in a miraculous God. So if you find yourself in this place of if or but or maybes, what do you do? You go and you find the scriptures where God says, this is what I'll do. This is what I promised. And you meditate those scriptures, you, you pray those scriptures. And the more you, you, you pray those scriptures, and the more you meditate those scriptures, the more they get down into your heart, faith will rise. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
This is what I do when I find a scripture that relates to what I'm praying about. I talk to myself in my man cave out loud. Because I want to get that in my soul. I want to be... It's amazing how you can, you can read a verse and you can speak a verse and you can speak a verse and, and then stuff, suddenly you start to realize things. You realize about how you're feeling. You realize about what God's heart is in it all. So the second principle of effective prayer is this. Locate two or three scriptures that promise you what you need and remove your if. Two or three scriptures that promise you what you need. As I said, I've got 21 so far on the house front. So we're working on them. Here's what I want you to do, because I'm going to finish there. I'd like you to take a couple of minutes and write down one thing that you want. You want to pray for. Okay, just one thing. You don't have to come up with a list. One thing. And then, you don't have to do it now, but I want you to either do it now or commit to do it. I want you to go and find some scriptures where the answer to that is promised. Because if you can't find the scriptures, you're going to have real trouble getting your faith. But if you can find the promise, you can have it. Amen? So I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to leave you to do that, and I'm going to run to the brownie table. Actually, I'm not. For somebody whose daughter has a, brown, a bakery, I don't like brownies, so, which is a bit sad. <laughs> Lifetime supply of brownies, and I don't like them. Anyway, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for all your love for us. We thank you that you are just such an amazing God whose, whose heart is to bless us, that you have, have paid for so many things in the sacrifice of your son. And we ask you, Lord, to, to just... Help us really get a hold of this. Get a hold of how we can trust you, how you are a trustworthy God who always keeps his word. Father, help us to grow in faith, knowing your will, because faith begins when your will is known. And I want to be one who knows your will so that I can be confident when I ask. So thank you, Lord. Amen. So, write down what you want and then find some scriptures.